Welcome to Health System CIO's Partner Perspective Interview Series. I'm Anthony Guerra, founder and editor-in-chief. Today, we're talking with Damon Auer, Chief Executive and Managing Director for North America with Daedalus Group. Damon, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Anthony. All right, Damon, listen, you, uh, you've you been around a little bit. No offense not to age you, but, um, you know. What was it? What gave it away? Was it the, was it the gray hair? <laughs> listen. If I have a few left on my head, uh, it's it's so sad, right? But we have to keep, we have to persevere. But you've been around, so um, let's just give us a little background on you. You got a lot of experience, so uh, just to frame up our conversation, that uh, uh, some of your experiences, let people know. Sure, um, I started my career in consulting with uh, Anderson and then Price Waterhouse, and then um, started a firm with um, some partners of mine in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, which we ended up directing towards um, industry-specific software as we went along. And I had the uh, opportunity to create our healthcare practice at that company, which we subsequently sold. Um, So I've been through some M&A cycles in the healthcare technology space that I think are interesting and kind of inform um, some of the way I think about what we're doing now and what we might be doing next. Um, just two and a half years ago, I had the privilege of taking the helm at Dataloose in North America. Um, Dataloose is one of the biggest healthcare software companies in the world, uh, but is relatively new as of two and a half years ago to the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um we're a pure play healthcare software company. We're huge in Europe. Um, as they say, I forget what movie that's from. It's a good <laughs> 90s grunge movie. Or maybe actually, what was that movie? Um, in any case, so we are we're looking at the Data Loose software portfolio, which is pretty um pretty modern, pretty new, but mm-hmm. primarily built in the Eurozone and identifying software solutions in that portfolio that we think can have an impact on the transforming system here in the US. All right, good. Well, we're going to we're going to go pretty high level right here and we're going to try and help out our readers um the CIOs and such uh with some strategy and maybe even their CEOs. Um we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the retail and ambulatory space. Um, and the the point will be to inform the thinking of folks making strategy at the health systems. Those are our core readers, the folks at the health systems. So what are you seeing in that ambulatory retail space? Um, you know, what are your observations there? And we'll, then we'll go from there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, I really got myself involved and educated myself about the healthcare industry going back two decades um, with a focus on the experience of the customer, the consumer, the patient. Um, And we've done some really interesting things in other industries and we're doing some really interesting things in healthcare um, now too around the experience that our customer, our patient has or our care team members to the extent that they're a customer of our IT um, organization, um, as an example. And it's been fascinating to watch, particularly over the last 
13 years since the Affordable Care Act passed and started the, or at least put new energy behind the incentive process for um, having healthcare providers rewarded for worrying about whether or not I'm well, not just when I'm in their office, but wherever I am and, and whenever. Um, that is the whole accountable care um, movement that spawned there. And, and there's some interesting things that are happening both economically and just uh, practically from a care perspective. From an economic perspective, we are shifting steadily more and more and more of the spend for healthcare in the United States from a health plan, insurer, payer, um, into high deductible um, consumer health plans. And when you sign up for a high deductible plan, I've been involved in a couple of them over the years, um, you actually end up paying a lot more of at least your outpatient care directly, mm -hmm. which means if you're paying directly, you tend to scrutinize that spend just a little bit more, right? You get, right. To, get to make some different choices. Um, and choice all of a sudden becomes a major driver of where the consumer is going to go um, for outpatient care. That's much less true for inpatient care. Typically, when we need acute care help, we're lucky to be conscious. We we had some traumatic event and we need, we need specialists um, looking after us and equipment and everything else. So... The consumer experience, while it still matters, or the patient experience in that acute setting, matters less because that acute setting is still paid for by our catastrophic insurance. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I, I think of it, I've described it to my kids at dinner, it's kind of like how we pay for our car insurance, right? I pay for catastrophic car insurance, but I don't pay for insurance that reimburses me for my oil changes or fill in the gas tank or rotating the tires or whatever, right? The, the basic maintenance. Um, and I think that's kind of analogous to the way outpatient services in healthcare, which are every day we have new therapies and procedures that we can do in an outpatient setting that used to require an acute setting, but mm -hmm. don't anymore. So that consumerization of the spend and where I'm going to go um, and what I'm going to spend on and how happy or not kind of vote with my dollars um, thing is forcing some real shifts in that ambulatory care space. And I find that interesting from a technology perspective, because for the last decade, as we've been trying to figure out how to help healthcare provider organizations be effective post um Affordable Care Act and the accountable care models and value-based models, we've been trying to tackle that consumer experience in ambulatory and outpatient care as such an important part of a health system's IT strategy and mm -hmm. spend in a state. Um, but we're seeing a, a conscious decoupling. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, coin that term <laughs> conscious <laughs> you know, but a, a conscious decoupling of ambulatory care aka outpatient care from the acute care setting which creates a whole different um set of strategic 
questions, challenges, and opportunities for large brand name health systems. So this conscious decoupling, I mean, the implication of calling it conscious is 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 that perhaps the health systems have realized that this is not an area that they're going to win. This is not, they're not nimble enough. They're not quick enough. They're not consumer centric enough to be able to play here. And they're going to pull back and redeploy those resources elsewhere. Do you think that is in fact the case or do you think they're just going to lose, but they're not consciously going to give up this ground? Yeah. The, uh, the conscious decoupling thing <laughs> just sort of makes me laugh a little because mm-hmm. it's a pleasant name for a divorce. Right. right. And, um, the the reality is i think that that this is going to happen to us in mm-hmm. health systems mm-hmm. not because of us and um you can see some really obvious sort of high profile examples like the uh one medical service which is a reimagining of primary care um and some other outpatient specialty care um, around the consumer, the customer, the person um, who's receiving care. And my, I live on the north side of Chicago. My family has been subscribing to One Medical, I think, for two years now, um, just because. And, and we do that out of our own pocket, just as a supplemental to our health insurance, because it's so convenient. It's such a different experience in the one medical mm-hmm. um, ecosystem, then uh, we would have, for example, and I, I don't want to talk bad about anybody, so maybe I'll just leave out any any names, but let's say we have we have a, we have some pediatric care um, institutions and I have a kid who turned 18 last year and went off to college. And that transition from pediatric to adult care, for my son was one of the most maddening hmm. ministrivia laden experiences I've ever had in my life or my wife has ever had in her life or my son has ever had in his life. And it's just, it it shouldn't be that way. And, and where we ended up eventually after banging our head against the wall um, with the big health system that was doing the pediatric care um, for my son, but we couldn't get meds transferred to a new pharmacy and yada, yada, yada. Lots of small, but what felt like small things to accomplish, but turned into big, giant um, hurdles. I was sitting at my desk here one morning. My wife called me and she was sobbing. And I'm like, what's going on? What What's up? And she had just left an appointment at One Medical with my son where they got everything handled in 14 minutes. <laughs> she was crying with joy. With joy. Yeah. yeah. She had spent other time, oh you know, my God. frustration or crying out um, over the nine months prior to that, where we had literally tried everything we could think of. And I'm in the business. Right. right. So I'm I'm sort of I'm more difficult to confound. With the, <laughs> That's with a great expression right there. More difficult to confound. I like but, that. But they, I was still completely confounded, as was my wife. Like we just couldn't get it done. And that there's some there's some old, I think, process <laughs> debt, and there's some old technology debt. Um, and there's just some old practice um debt that 
some of our health systems are saddled with that are just really hard to get to change into a real um, patient-centric, consumer experience-centric model. And as long as that's true, and as long as we as consumers are starting to pay for more of it directly, I think this shift of ambulatory and outpatient care um, separating and turning into a real consumer experience-focused care enterprise um, versus our catastrophic acute care, which we will always need and we need to invest in different um, than ambulatory. Anyway, I, just, I, I find all that really interesting to observe. So I was um, at the Chime conference and there were uh, a couple of anecdotes I heard from people, CIOs and the like, who talked about their home health programs failing. So they 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 you know they went down the home health road home monitoring in the home all this kind of thing and essentially the programs failed um reimbursement issues you know they weren't going to get reimbursed for these things uh difficulty supporting the technology in the home that sort of last mile type thing if you have any rural situation poor cellular service um getting out to these places to provide any kind of remedy from an IT point of view it didn't work so they kind of shut them down um and that's not too far from retail and everything you're talking about. Um, does does that make sense? It's all part of the same thing. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, th- I mean, I think it's related. I think that we've we've tried some really interesting things and learned some really interesting lessons about um, care in different settings and ways that we have to change our technology and our processes and and uh, the way our people approach um, work that is is really interesting. So we've, we've been able to um, be involved in some really interesting care coordination ventures with different um, health systems over the last 10 years or so. And I've, I've seen some really cool, really amazing new approaches that are informed by non-healthcare industry, real consumer experience focused leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an opportunity to work on uh, a project with Dartmouth Hitchcock going, now this goes back seven or eight years, um, but they had a venture called Imagine Care that they spun up um, there at Dartmouth that ultimately ended up spinning out a couple of years later. Um, but the whole idea there was to create a really high touch, but highly digitally enabled um, patient, post-discharge patient experience support for um, individuals with chronic conditions that needed management over time, hypertension, um, diabetes, others, right? And it was, it was brilliant. And they Mm -hmm. brought in, um, experienced design leaders from Land Rover and Disney and Starbucks and places like that to um, help strategize on what would in fact create the best experience for the patient, the consumer um, over time and be sustainable and automatable um, so that it didn't require hundreds and hundreds of humans um, to interact. And that was brilliant, but it was before its time. And so much 
of what we had to create was bespoke and anything bespoke costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And Dartmouth Hitchcock, similar to what you just mentioned, the CIO mentioning to you um, at Chime, funded that for a couple of years and then ran out of ran out of resources to put towards it. So spun it out to some investors in Sweden where it continues, um, but in a very different, very different health system. So yes, I think that is an example. And I think there's lots of examples that um, CIOs in big health systems can share with us about initiatives that we've started to either try and put a hospital in the home um, or just get closer to where our patients live and try and provide them more personalized care experiences in those settings. Um, to take that on as a catastrophic acute care expert organization to try and take on and sustain that consumer experience um, driven venture is really hard to sustain. I, 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 I wish I had more examples of organizations that have um, sustained it in a meaningful way, but there's few that I've seen. So we have the acute experience um, and then there is the uh, immediate, the discharge, right? And health systems are on the hook for readmissions, I think within 30 days, depending on what's going on, things like that. So there is a need to continue care beyond the acute setting, at least in some way for a period of time. Otherwise they come back from like a boomerang and you don't get paid. So even if we're going to sort of pull back from trying to compete on the absolute retail end, um, the health systems still have to go a bit beyond, right? The acute realm and leverage technology to do that. So give me your thoughts around sort of if you were drawing a new circle and you were going to put some stuff now on the outside, what would still be on the inside? Um, Well, the, the, acute services that we have that we need a hospital setting to provide in a um in a way that we know will lead to the best outcome um, for the patient have to stay um in acute the post discharge period of time that we're on the hook i think that actually becomes in in many cases as health systems um, find themselves shedding more of that ambulatory and outpatient service. Um, I think that's going to lead to a lot of collaboration with organizations that are looking after um, consumers of care patients when we're not in acute settings. Mm-hmm. So um, one medical, and I'm not an expert on one medical, I'm just a user, but I'm a very, I'm a happy um, user, my family's happy with the service that we get there. Um, I think one medical is is built to collaborate with acute centers of care that are sort of hospital anchored mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps be a be a a proxy for um, coordinating the experience that a person has post discharge. Um, but I'm kind of. I'm kind of speculating. There. So if you were if you were a CEO of a mid-sized health system, traditional health system today, 
con- considering all the things they currently encompass, would you uh, tell me about the strategy you would propose? You would say, okay, here's where we are. Here's what we've done. My vision for the future is different. And I'm going to tell you about my vision now. I'm going to tell you where we're going to stop focusing and where we're going to reallocate resources. So what would that sound like? So I think we need to be really good at, in a health system, we need to be really good at the complex, um, high-impact, high-acuity care services and be world-class at that. And that is, that means a, a tremendous focus on our team members that are delivering um, the care care team members, it means a tremendous uh, focus on getting the most utility out of the assets that we can deploy um, in those environment, human assets, uh, equipment, um, space, technique, um, and really be laser focused on optimizing medical outcomes in the in that environment which is a different, very different focus than focusing on the consumer experience of care, 95% of which lies outside of acute settings. So am I going to have, am I going to be able to, to enable a team efficiently that can do both of those things mm-hmm. in a world-class way? I think probably not. There will be um, some organizations that manage to, I think, pull that off um, and have a geographic uh, footprint and brand that is cons- that is consumer friendly enough that you can probably do that. But that that I think will be the exception, not not the rule. So um, for a typical um, mid-sized health system. I would say focus on being world-class in the acute setting and partner for what you need from the ambulatory and non-acute. All right. Very good. So if, if that was the mandate, uh, let's say you did that, you spoke to your board and you spoke to your executive, you said, here's our new true North and here's what we're going to be. We're going to give up certain sort of areas that we were trying to play because I don't think we, we can win. Um, Talk about the IT strategy that would underlay the new vision of focusing on acute. What are some of the technologies? What are some of the areas? Where would you have your CIO focus to support this new business model? Yeah, um, good question. So I think the the good news is, is a lot of the investment time, energy, money that we have put into the uh, digital plumbing of our electronic medical record systems. Um and getting those into a as usable and efficiently usable a state as we can um, is directly, it, those are great investments for a future like we've just talked about. Um, so the EMR, standardizing that EMR and continuing to drive efficiencies into its use, um, there's all sorts of really promising, exciting, intriguing AI-enabled um, use cases now to take work out or make work more efficient um, for scarce human resources in those environments. And 
we know that our technical resources are going to continue uh, via Moore's law to be be more and more accessible and have a bigger impact on that efficiency over time. So get the EMR um, right and continue and in a continuous improvement um, program around its use. The the other thing that one of the one of the solutions that we are seeing um, some real interesting demand signals for in the data loose portfolio is our command center solution, which is a pre-curated set of KPIs for driving efficiency and effectiveness into a big acute setting. Mm-hmm. So instead of what we're finding more and more, and I was at the Reuters health conference uh, last week for a couple of days, and the the topic of the data estate and how um, quickly it's growing is is a commonality, but also what do we do once we've got our data wrangled into one place? That opens up a world of possibility in terms of what we can do for good with that data. The problem with the world of possibility is that it's really hard to get from pile of data to insight and impact without going through dozens and dozens and dozens of iterations, which consumes time, um, scarce resources, that change management cycle, really, um, to get to actionable insight. So a command center solution has already pre-curated the KPIs that come out the other side of that process that we know are high value for the C-suite to see what's going on in the enterprise and make changes and can just shorten the the, uh, time, effort, money, investment requirement to get from I've got my data to now I've got insights for my executive team that we can take actions on or even my frontline operational team members Mm -hmm. um, take action on. So that's EMR estate in order data wrangled, and then some um, mechanism for surfacing insight out of that pile of data that's growing mm-hmm. exponentially. The the vision you talked about, um, and we talked about the, C- the CEO driving the vision. They're the one that's going to present the vision. The CIO is supposed to support it. So if if you're if you're working for a CEO that is still believes that they can own retail, you know, ambulatory, I don't know what do you do as a CIO. I just you just have to keep supporting your boss's vision, well, right? I mean, there's there's you got to be serious about it, right? It, because it is a very different venture. Yeah, to, to own that ambulatory consumer experience driven space, mm-hmm. and it is to own the catastrophic care space. Um, so you've got to make, so you got to put your resources where your your vision and your mouth is on that one. Um, good local example uh, from about a year ago is that uh, Northwestern Medicine here in, in the Chicagoland area um, bought the Hyatt Regency downtown, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would they do that, <laughs> right? What are they, they're not in the hotel business. right? The whole strategy there is to create a different consumer experience 
at some of Northwestern's facilities down in the loop. Mm -hmm. um, kids were born in that um, hospital. And so they're doubling down on investing in the amenities for a world-class consumer experience, not just the care and the care team members, but the other things that go around it. I need a place to stay. I need food to eat um, and so on. So that's, that's one, I think, practical example. You have to be serious about committing to that patient and consumer experience. So are you saying by buying the hotel, they, they are embracing the ambulatory retail or they're, is well, they're basically, they're creating a place for mm -hmm. family members and patients and direct patients to stay near Northwestern facilities while they are getting care. So they're basically, they're including hoteling yeah. into their processes. But right? that could, I'm, I'm, I'm still not clear on whether, because you could be totally saying we're, we're just going to focus on acute. And you could buy that hotel to support, you know, or I'm not sure, you know, if you're saying that goes more towards an acute strategy or an ambulatory strategy or retaining it, because it could go either way to me. I think it's a consumer experience strategy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is absolutely necessary for ambul yeah. ambulatory space. Um, can still can be a differentiator for the acute and catastrophic as well, potentially. Um but is definitely a consumer experience focused move and investment. Yeah. I heard somebody say recently that they surveyed, uh, it was, I guess it was in an acute setting and they surveyed uh, patients or family members, you know, what do you want to see? And then they, most people, number one thing was parking. And I swear to you, when my father was in the hospital, when he was alive and he was in there for a while and it was like $8 a day to park. And it's like, that's not inconsequential if you're going to see a family member every day. So, yeah. you know, there's some uh, things that have nothing to do with IT that can really help oh, that right. experience, right? Yeah, lots of things. Lots yeah. of things. So you said there, there may be some winners in this space if the people who want to, the entities that want to retain, keep fighting in ambulatory and retail. There'll be a few winners, maybe the bigger ones. Um, but you don't see a lot of them winning. You think in general, it's a better strategy to, to relinquish that space. You're just not going to, you're not going to be able to outdo the convenience that these other folks can offer. I, I think there's, there's some partnership and joint venture opportunities in that space um, that I definitely encourage health systems to keep in view mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just packing up and walking away the but it is we, we do need to recognize how very different practically economically and from an experience standpoint that care delivery is than the care that we orchestrate and deliver in an acute setting i mean you're 100 percent right i mean there's anybody who's had any experience with it now you know i have a physician that i see um and I see him for the, you know, the blood pressure, the the cholesterol and that kind of stuff. But I don't want to go near his place if I don't have to. Anything else, I, I don't want to go near. It's far. They, they take forever. You see like six people before you see him. He's like, 
you know, you see, it's unbelievable how long you're there. It's a horrible, horrible experience from your time point. And then you go to one of these urgent care centers, you book it online, you're in and out in 15 minutes, you have your script, you're done. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. It, it, so it's a completely different culture. The other one's the old school culture of the doctor is like way up on high and you will wait and, and he will see you, mo- you know, when he's ready. And it's just a completely different experience to your point. Yeah. Um, Eric Tobel caught it in the title of his book 10 years ago, I think now, nine years. Um, the uh, The patient will see you now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the shift in the, in the consumerization is care. I mean, we can't. It's a good shift. Yeah. From, from a human perspective. Right. It's good. I don't I don't want my kids to have that same experience convoluted oh. and oftentimes feels like it's intentionally confounding experience of of care. And they won't have to because right. we are consumerizing that part of care and we'll and we will keep our world-class catastrophic care focus where it needs to be. Right. right? Because that's when I don't mind when you treat me like that. When my life's on the line, lucky, treat me I'm like that. Yeah, do what you need to do. What you need to do. I will worship the ground you walk on. But if I need a couple drops for pink eye, like don't take half a day, right, right. of my time. Yeah. So no, it's 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 a great point. You mentioned before the the product you guys have with the dashboard and the KPIs. It's it's almost like it sounds like a plug and play save you a lot of time, get you good reports and things like that. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit more uh, about sort of that dynamic in health systems. Uh, people want actionable intelligence. They want information. They want to be more efficient, whether that's reports or whatnot. A lot of times that can be really challenging when we want to bring together data from different applications, right? I w- if I had some of this over here and this over here and I could bring it I get this report and that would really help me because I'd have insight into my business. I mean, this is a huge dynamic probably in all businesses, but also in healthcare, we've got all the data, but it's all over the place. But if I could just see these different things this way, it would really help me. So talk about people trying to move in that direction. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, one statistic that I heard at the uh, at the Reuters event last week, and I think it's been around for a little while, but it said that the average size health system, and I'm not sure exactly what average size is defined right. as, that's a median or a mean or what, um, but has 50, 50 petabytes of data. Mm-hmm. And it's growing exponentially. Like that is a ton of data. And trying to trying to find the insights that are valuable in that could be a full-time job for hundreds of data scientists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to use um, emerging AI capabilities and we have to use KPIs that we know matter mm-hmm. and APIs to those KPIs. <laughs> yeah, that, nice. Right? Um, that can get us to insight quicker. And so what we're finding more and more is that good-sized health systems anyway, some of the bigger ones, have spent lots of time and energy and resources to get data from a lot of different places into a place and make it available for use. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's great. That's that took a lot of work. Um, but now that it's available for use, what do you use it for? Mm-hmm. Um, is is the question, and, and it kind of reminds me when I was when we were um, implementing some early analytics stuff in the late '90s as a, as consultants. Um, we had to take a very different approach to implementing an analytics solution than we did to implementing an ERP solution or an electronic medical record solution um, or a CRM solution, because those are all different systems that automate processes. But an analytics solution is is intended to answer questions. And if you can't anticipate what the questions are going to be two years from now, because you haven't gone through that cycle, that learning cycle with another organization or organizations, which we have had the benefit of doing um, at scale with thousands of healthcare provider organizations around the world, um, then you are, you're starting from an empty whiteboard and that sucks. It's great creatively, but it sucks productively. Yeah. Because not taking best advantage of the KPI definition that has already occurred by those who have been on the journey ahead of you. So um I I I think that a command center view of what is happening in your healthcare enterprise can have tremendous value in shortening that cycle from we we got our data in a usable state to making good valuable impactful use of that data um by putting the KPI framework on big on big giant wall size screens that you can't not see mm-hmm. and once you see it it becomes actionable so i i think that's one of the most encouraging ones I'm I'm uh, I'm as excited and and intrigued about AI use cases, generative AI use cases in particular, now to surface insights that may be hidden um, in massive data masses of data, but it it's still early days. We're doing a lot of experimenting with um, with those generative AI models to see what insights are surfaced, and if they're really good, they become part of our KPI library. Right. So it's another way to just to accelerate the space and time between having your data in order and having it in a insightful, usable, impactful place. Damon, we're almost out of time. I just want to give you uh, an opportunity for a final piece of advice. Um, You know, we talked about where you think things are going. which, you know, for a lot of health systems may, you know, especially the CIOs may not be quite the marching orders that they're getting at the current time. It may be the direction things are going, but I'm not sure how many CEOs out there have uh, reached the conclusions you have and are ready to put that into practice. It's a bold move. And if it's right, it certainly um, will be very beneficial for them. But you know, a lot of CIOs are not going to have had those marching orders. They're still going to be under the current regime of you know we want to play everywhere perhaps uh, your best piece of advice for those out there in the trenches today well i think the change is coming faster than 
any of us um, predict. I think there's a great, I think, I think it's a Bill Gates um, quote where we, we as humans, we tend to overestimate the pace of change in the next year and dramatically underestimate the pace of change over a decade. Um, so these things, these feel like tectonic forces that are not going to, I don't think we're going to go backwards on the consumer experience thing. I don't think we're all of a sudden healthcare is going to get tons cheaper um, in the United States. I think it's going to continue to, we're going to, we're going to find efficiencies in technology that we haven't even thought of yet. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, But changes that that shift to the consumerization particularly of the ambulatory and outpatient um care experience is is i think um unstoppable so you gotta decide where you want to be in that ecosystem the really good news is if you are a health system executive with a substantial ambulatory care business today that ambulatory care business is worth a lot of money Mm -hmm. to organizations that intend to facilitate this conscious decoupling. Um, Amazon, I think, paid four times trailing 12 revenue for One Medical. Four times revenue. Mm -hmm. One Medical wasn't making any money. Um, so that's not a... Mul the, the multiples that are, are getting um, contemplated on these deals to... To, to really put capital behind the shift um, are substantial enough to get any uh, boardroom's attention um, in, a, in a health system. For now, um, tomorrow, not two years from now, but tomorrow, I think we have to continue to invest and find efficiencies in the electronic medical record. We have to continue to aggregate data from all the different places that it exists in our organization and begin to incorporate information that exists outside our organization, but can help with our thinking and insight coming out of that data. Um, the panel that I had an opportunity to participate in with you a couple months back um, had some great CIO participants on it. Every one of them mentioned the fact that there remain uh, hundreds of systems that have pieces of information in them in in these large health system organizations so it's not enough to just get the EMR right you absolutely have to have to do that and standardize it and create a continuous improvement um, process around it but you also have to recognize that there's a lot of information about the people that you serve and the people who serve the patients um, and how you can help them in lots of different places in the org so, those who have not done the hard work of getting that data connected and put into a usable place um, have to do that. And then um, the third step, I think, is creating real meaningful insight out of that data. So get the plumbing stabilized and continuously improving. Um, orchestrate your data estate intentionally and then make smart investments to accelerate the distance from data estate to insight.
That's great stuff, Damon. Bold predictions. I love it. We love that here. So thank you for your insights. I really appreciate it. I think people are going to enjoy it. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. It's fun.